to our friends online, whether you are on ccmonline.org or your Facebook or you're on YouTube uh, or you're listening later on this week on the podcast. We're so grateful that you've decided to come and spend a little bit of time with us today to hear the message, to sing along with us, and uh, especially to pray and have communion.
is something about singing a song like that that takes you back maybe to your baptism day. Did anybody have their baptism day in mind? And we actually are baptizing somebody after service today. And if you've never been baptized, get a hold of Kathleen, have a conversation, and we will help you get into the holy water. Right? So there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing really magical about the water, everybody, but there is something in the water. You know what I'm saying? There is something in the water. There's something about um, the practices that help us be vulnerable and like little children that helps us let go of our own limited kingdom and open up to the greater kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? And I know many of you know that Scott and I were baptized in Proud Lake, and it was... Yep, exactly. We made it even prouder. We left our proud in there. Uh, Not that we've never had it again, but um, what we know is that there are things in the kingdom of God that are beyond our own ability to figure it out in our executive function. See, there's a great book written about trauma called The Body Keeps the Score, which means the cells of your body remember things that have happened to you, even if you can't recall the story with your own cognition. And guess what else your body remembers? Stuff like the water. You know, that's why some people just start going crazy when they're singing, you know, like the sweet, sweet water. And I, I think there is something beautiful that God gives us about body prayers, like bread and wine and water and ways to pray that just help our bodies remember that we are limited and God is not. And aren't you glad about that? We are limited and God is not. So um, we've been talking about imagining the kingdom here, and I'm going to take you back even to what we talked about last week. But first, I'd love you to write down a question. Here's today's question. Consider when, wow, today's question to consider when imagining the kingdom of God. I I need my executive function to come online now. All right. Who was a person who represented God to you as a child? Who was a person that represented God to you as a child? And I even want to say, not the God of uh, this kind of punitive God that maybe some of us were brought up on that, that is not who God is, uh, the, but the God that so loved the world, right? The son that so loved the world that nobody took his life but he gave it. The Holy Spirit that so loved and is living and breathing in you today. So who was that representative for you? See, God's kingdom, we've been talking about it as being God's effective will, the range of God's effective will. But your kingdom is the range of your effective will. And some of us, when we think about the person who represented God in our lives as a child, it might not be a good memory. And others of us, it is a very good memory, right? But, but just know that the neuroplasticity of the brain means all of us have hope today. So whatever the image of God was, the broken image of God, the beautiful image of God, God on this very day is helping us to imagine the kingdom as God sees it. Isn't that good? Like, I want to see it the way God sees it, not, not the way I have my limited 
range, but God's range, God's effective will. So this scripture was yet last week. We talked about Jesus on the first day of the week. He went to synagogue, which was his custom. Everybody say custom. And I had someone come up to me last week and say, you know what, my customs are kind of out of joint since COVID. And I don't think I have a lot of customs like I did, and I need to get my customs back online. And does anybody want to say amen? Right? There were some things. You had customs of visiting with people and eating with people and going to church together, and they kind of got disrupted by this thing called COVID. And all we want to say is that we just want to pay attention to what our customs are now and how we can be a part of God's effective will on the earth, maybe even by following the example of Jesus and on the first day of the week, gathering together, right? And that don't you love that we make mistakes together even on Sunday morning? As Don said, there's feedback, there's, you know, the spilling of the wine, the dropping of the bread, the forgetting your line in a song, the, you know, like, I, I have to say, this, this is the kingdom of God, my friends. And we are not, this is not a performance or a production. This is the people of God for the purposes of God. And everybody says amen, right? And so we can bring ourselves fully and freely and lightly because we don't have to perform for God. Isn't that good? I am so happy about that. All right, so Jesus had this kingdom ethic about going to synagogue. And if you remember, we talked about the fact that if there were 10 families in an area, they built a synagogue so that families could go worship and what? Teach the children. Like, you know, sometimes I think we think the big services, you know, um, like the, the kids' church is just to take care of those people up there so that the big people can go to church. And the reality is, is that we have a very different kingdom ethic than that. We have an ethic that says that God wanted church to be built even for children so that they would be hardwired for faith that they would actually be curious and wonder and, and say to us, why, why, and why, and can you tell me why? So that we would stay curious and open and become like little children, stay like little children, live like little children, you know? So Scott's going to be up with the kids with communion today, and I was with them last week or maybe the week before. I can't remember, but being up, with the children, I have to tell you guys, if you're having a hard time in your faith, go up there. Like, get, get, get involved with little people who say, yeah, why? Or they just make statements like, well, Jesus loves me, you know, right? And they give us a way to see the heart of God. So I love that Sabbath gives us a way literally to stop. Can you all say stop? Yes, yeah, stop. We just need to stop for a minute and be present to the presence of God and the people of God for the purposes of God. It's a good custom, right? It's a great custom. Thank you, Jesus. So we know that this person maybe that represented God well, you wanted to follow them as they followed Christ. Like if they had, they had an ethic that you loved, you wanted to follow them as they followed Christ. And you guys have heard me say that my dad was a commentator at church, so the sound of scripture in my ears was awesome. 
because I adored my dad. And when he read scripture, it was like, sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Just like holy, I mean, I'm telling you, the reading of scripture from someone that loves and lives by a kingdom ethic, it makes you love the scripture. It's not about instructions, it's about a relationship. It's not about how you interpret the scripture, it's about your relationship with the scripture. The capital W, right? Which is why sometimes we've had trouble because the person as a child that that was supposed to represent God, we didn't really hear the scripture as loving, maybe. But that's okay, because today the neuroplasticity of the brain is here because God is a brilliant creator. Amen? Amen. So then we look at this person, right? And we think about the fact that the people in, in this beautiful passage in the Gospel of Luke, it says now people were bringing their babies to him to touch. And you know when you got a baby, nobody's touching that baby except for safe people. Right? I mean, don't you like when, I know, I know, I know. I, I used to cover my kids in the grocery store too, just so that everybody didn't think they could come up and kiss my child's hand or something like that. It's like, you know, I, you can look at my baby, but I don't know. You got the flu? I don't know. You know what I mean? Anyway, okay, whatever. You know you think that with your, your kids. So these people were bringing their babies for him to touch, which means they felt his safe presence. But when the disciples saw it, they began to scold those who brought them. But Jesus called the children, come here, come on, come on, come on, let the children come to me. Like, come on, come on, let the children come to me. The, the little children, don't stop them, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. Now, I am always interested in, you know, why Jesus says particular things and, you know, why the disciples are always up to what they're up to. Um, And they're always up to it because they're human. In Matthew, it says this, about the same time the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you, once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start looking over like the children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Woo! Whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the child like on my account, it's the same as receiving me. That's where that me came from on the other slide. <laughs> Okay, see, now you know. I know Samuel's online. Yep, she's always going to have an error. I'm, I'm here for you. So this is beautiful. Truly, I tell you that unless you change and become, say change and become, like children, you will never enter the kingdom. Whosoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child welcomes, in my name, welcomes me. Now, I'm not even going to get into the part of the scripture where it talks about a millstone. Like, if you call one of, cause one of these little ones to stumble, you might as well have a millstone hung around your neck and cast into the bottom of the sea because basically you're not going to get into the kingdom if you don't take care of the vulnerable. The most vulnerable among us. Do you know what the kingdom ethic is? It's not for, for me the privileged. The kingdom ethic is for me to say, who's vulnerable? 
And how do I get on board with what Jesus is doing? If I want to be in the kingdom, I'm looking for the vulnerable. I'm looking for whoever needs whatever is needed at the time that they can't get it themselves. And you all should be saying amen and clapping and saying, me too, Jesus. Right? This, and so, you know, what you need to know is that the, the wow, yeah, uh, the, um, the millstone is not only a, uh, it was actually a, you know, kind of like a bartering system and used for a whole community. Basically, it was also a weapon of war. So I wonder, you know, like, why does Jesus use an example like the millstone? Thinking like, okay, so a millstone is for a whole community, and it's also a weapon of war. And if you don't take care of the vulnerable, you're not in my kingdom. You're in your limited kingdom, and you're actually at war with me. Oh, if we had, if this was a Bible study, I'd be breaking it down to you in the Greek and the Hebrew and the, you know, Italian. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say, friends, we have to say, like in Deuteronomy, it says that, um, that this, wonderful, uh, this wonderful idea of collateral for a loan, that kingdom, communal prosperity took place when everybody got on board to say, who's vulnerable? Who doesn't have anything? Because this bread is for all of us. It's not just for me and mine. My me turns into we. So if I have bread, you have bread in this community, right? And then, you know, and, and it's also, if you want to take a look at when it, in really fun judges, where um, King Abimelech is laying siege to a tower, and then that woman, by the way, who threw the millstone on his head to kill him, right? Because she was overthrowing an evil situation. Friends, I, I, I wonder if Jesus is saying, if you're not paying attention to the vulnerable, you're at war with me. If, if you're not providing for all of those in your community, you're, you're at war with me. And it would be better if this millstone was here and it cashed you down into the sea. Now, is Jesus saying he wants to kill you? No. But here's what I love about children. And any of the teachers in here can tell you this. What they know about reading to kids, right, is that the notion that reading can better help us connect to the broader human experience is more than a simple observation. It's, it's actually extensive research by Vanderbilt University, by the way, if you want to look it up. It's fabulous to talk about the fact that you can build kids' emotional intelligence and empathy, enabling them to care about other people if you read to them. Which is why the reading of scripture over you, the reading of good books over you, can develop empathy in you so that you care about more than me and it becomes we. Why? Because kids are curious and they imagine. Like if they hear somebody doing something good, they start seeing it in full technicolor. It, you know, you might want to read um, uh, J.K. Rowling's, her, her, um, her, uh, her, Harvard graduation speech when she talks to them about, well, maybe I'll even go to that quote right now. Here's what she says. Those who choose not to empathize enable real monsters. For without ever committing an act of outright evil ourselves, we collude with it through our own apathy. 
So see, you know what church is for? Church is to, to, so that we listen to scripture and empathy grows. Not so that you can hair split and argue about scriptures, but so that scripture actually opens up our souls to empathy so that the monsters don't win. I wish I could get somebody to preach with me here. What if we read the Bible for empathy and not superiority or victory? Where we say, we're right, you're wrong, we got it, you don't. But we choose empathy rather than exaltation. Or empathy rather than apathy. Can you imagine if that's what the Bible did for us, rather than us fighting each other about what the Bible says? And I, yeah, Jesus. You know, one of the things that um, we were having a conversation with our friends, uh, AJ and Hannah, this week, and I was saying, you know, I don't like to read the Bible. Um, And then I was like, oh, I probably need to fix that conversation. (laughs) And what I said was, I like to hear the Bible. Because when I'm reading the Bible, I do it like like a Berean. And I start looking at this word and that word and then these people who teach it that way and those people and that's for sermon preparation right I like to listen to the scripture because it reminds me of my relationship it reminds me of my dad reading scripture over me so some of you it might be better to read the scripture for me in order for me to kick out of sermon mode or prove my point mode I want to let scripture be read over me so we use an app called pray as you go every day And we love that it goes through all the great themes of Scripture so that it can disturb us and comfort us and open us to the one that we can imagine the kingdom with. So I want to say, friends, when we're thinking about imagining the kingdom, we want to imagine it like a child, that they're listening to a story, and then all those little neurons start firing, and they begin imagining, right? That, That really we begin to see what God sees, This week, um, we had a conversation with some of our friends, um, Jacqueline and Griff and Jaquiel and AJ and Hannah. And um, yes, AJ and Hannah are getting sick of us. It's been a few times this week. But they were talking about um, some great falls in the church in these days. And people, why people have left church, because they're the great falls of leaders, you know, and the way people have been disappointed or, you know, the, the things that, that, that keep us from staying together and hearing the scripture read over us so we can imagine the kingdom of God and wonder about what the real kingdom ethic is. Because I don't know about you, but if you start reading the Bible beginning in Genesis, you're going to find brothers that murder each other. Sibling rivalry with Joseph, right? Uh, I mean, the, the uh, human trafficking with Solomon. And if you're looking for perfect people in the Bible, it is not the point of the Bible. What you're looking for is, how does the relationship of the redemptive God meet up with human beings in their mess? And so I think when I read about Cain and Abel, I want to develop empathy. Like, why did Cain feel like he had to kill his brother over that, right? Like, how can I even develop empathy to think about somebody that could do this or that, right? And, and, I, and so I wonder if we can actually read Scripture in order to 
build a relationship with God. This weekend, we had relationships happening all over the house. Go to Facebook. Even if you're not on, I think you can get on and peek around at Crossroads. This, was, this week, relationship was happening with our teens. There were stories being told. You know, there was, there was a, whatever you call that game, bags. All right? They, you know, we had, we had everything happening in this house this week. Taneka, what were you cooking? Tacos, right? They, there was relationship building that was going on in the house. And what I want to say is, I, you know, um, I want to say, how can we imagine the kingdom that's built on relationship? How can we imagine the kingdom like Gwen right now going back into the classroom as hard as it is right now with the hardest grade there is right now, first graders? who didn't learn even how to walk in a line in kindergarten last year because of COVID. And, uh, and the fact that you are brave enough to walk in there, Gwen, makes me say, I want to pray for you. And I almost wonder if I should, you know, ask Jesus if I'm supposed to volunteer and come help you one hour a week. You know, it, it's a, I, that's my answer right there. If I ask Jesus, that's the answer, I'm sure. You know, and I think to myself, what are we doing to help these, to help these kids hear the story of God? To show up like the kingdom of God is expanding because the people of God are showing up. And do you know that love over time through us showing up is going to hardwire kids to know that they're loved? To know that there is, there is a kingdom coming here today? I love what's happening with, uh, with uh, Neil and Karen back here at the table. You know, you might wonder, what are they doing back there? What is that all about? Well, it's about, it's about saying, my millstone is to make bread for you. It's not just for me. And so you're actually purchasing things for Christmas that, that help these young teens and moms. By the way, what's, what number got rescued this week? 64 at the house in Kenya at the house in Kenya. 64, number 64, right? Why? Why? Because people in little old, you know, Michigan compared to the globe are actually doing things to say, our millstone is to make bread for you, right? This is amazing. I know this little Advent gift, and any of you looking for an Advent candle gift, go back there, because what you'll find out is that there's something that you can do to share your grinding millstone for the people beyond just my front door. I want to say, oh God, thank you. Thank you for the people of God at Crossroads who aren't just looking to preach the scripture at at you, but want to relate with you around the scripture. I don't know if you know right now, but the Child Advocacy Center, every year Crossroads throws a party for survivors. Did you know that? You're doing it again this year. Did you know that that Safe Place, another agency that we partner with, called this last week and said, would you guys be a part of helping our families, these these, uh, parents and children um, who are the victims of, of domestic violence, would you help us with Christmas gifts this year? And we're like, of course we will. My mill is your mill, right? 
Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, when we look at the Human Trafficking Task Force, you don't know it, but Scott and I are going to be a part of training law enforcement and agencies on the second and the third um, so that we can do the work of justice with mercy. And, and so that, that's fabulous. Uh, maybe you do or don't know Kathleen. Raise your hand, Kathleen. You know, Kathleen and Sean and their family have a, um, have a what do you call that, Kathleen? A nonprofit. Thank you very much. That is, is going to be um, working with Pastor Carlo to help him make his monthly payment. Because, friends, if you know anything about what's happening in Haiti right now, Scott was on the phone with Pastor Carlo this week and wept with him. He said it's, it's worse than it's ever been, ever. And I'm not even going to tell you the stories about what happened uh, you can talk to me privately. I'll tell you what happened this past week. I'll tell you what's been going on with the gangs since the, since the earthquake. But I want you to know, I don't want to tell that part of the story right now. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for sharing what grinds your bread beyond your own front door and saying that, you know what, we're going to be in the kingdom of God that is saying we have a relationship with the word. So check out Sean and Kathleen's I've Got Your Backs.org, and um, Kathleen will give us more information coming up to Christmas on how we can help. I don't know if you realize, friends, that we have been a part um, of working on legislation to protect children in churches like they're protected at schools and parks. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that we got stopped by a political action committee who didn't want children to be protected inside churches. But your church leadership wrote it into our own bylaws so that those that are on our security team, they know who they're, they're helping us with. Why am I telling you this, guys? Because you need to know. You know, sometimes we just think you know by osmosis what's happening you know, and we need to know, friends, that if we are to be like little children, if we are to say that the vulnerable are the most important, if we are to be the kind of people that Jesus is like, seriously, are you asking me if you're going to be the greatest? Bring me a child. It is not about our own exaltation. It is not about, oh, we want to, you know, what? No, we want to say it's about the children, it's about the vulnerable. It is indeed. And whatever we're doing, whether we're teaching in the classroom, and I thank God for you, Gwen. I know you're retired, but you just couldn't help yourself. She got all refired. And I want to say, you know, what is it? And by the way, I don't believe in retirement. I believe what is it that God's inviting you to do with the time that you have? Always. From the beginning to the end. On behalf of the most vulnerable. Because that is the kingdom my friends. That is the kingdom of God. And, you know, I once heard somebody say they didn't want to come to Crossroads because we talk about issues too much. And I just want to say, it's okay. I love you. But anytime I get a chance with a microphone, I'm going to prop a little child in front of your face some way, somehow, to say something about what it means to be a part of the kingdom that God said, oh, you want to be the greatest? I'm going to show you who's the greatest. Because I don't get it right every time, and neither do you. But if we come together as the people of God and the Word of God changes us, if we're actually, you know, this beautiful passage of Scripture that says to come, right? Change and become. 
unless you change and become like a little child, which means literally sometimes we got to convert by making it about face, and becoming to emerge and become transitioning from one point or realm or condition or thought pattern to another. God is inviting us to change and become like little children. And that word, you know, uh, there in, in, the, uh, in the Greek is about a child that's under training. We need to be trained again. I don't know if you know that. But there are sometimes, honestly, you're being formed all the time by social media and CNN and Fox and the left and the right and the blue and the red and the purple and the, you know, the this, the that, you name it, what you've been formed by. And even the memories of the person who was the first person who was supposed to represent God to you. Even if they're not alive anymore, they're still forming you, either for kingdom purposes or not. And we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12, so that we can tell what God's up to on the earth. Paraphrase Claire Lorridge. <laughs> we got to get transformed again and again and again. And so for a moment, God, can you guys just hold your hands um, and put them palms down on your lap? And I'm going to guide you in a prayer where you don't have to say anything. But as your hands are palmed down, if you feel comfortable with that, just notice that everything you've ever learned is inside this body. In fact, your body is a brain, not just the organ of the brain in your head, but your whole body is a brain. All of your experiences all of the ways that you've experienced justice and injustice, mercy and unforgiveness, all the ways you've experienced God and a broken image of God. It's all in here, in this vessel. So with your palms down, you're realizing that you are made up of a lot of stories And some of them closed your imagination down. Some of them made you more small-minded, more biased, more prejudiced. Some of them opened you up to more. And maybe you can even bring someone that has actually opened you to more in the kingdom. And if you want to bring just Jesus, bring in a child in the middle of the room to say, here's what the kingdom's about. Kingdom of God is about changing and becoming like a child so that your imagination begins to imagine the kingdom as God imagines it, so that your empathy grows like the God of justice and mercy. It's all in there. And then maybe you can open your palms on top of your lap and say, oh God, would you please take from me anything that doesn't fit anymore? And will you transform me by the renewing of my mind that I become like a child again where I'd read and let empathy grow? where I'd be open and receptive to invitations to care about the most vulnerable. 
Oh God, would you remove from me right now all the broken images of God that I've had through the years from people maybe who they just couldn't do any better for me. I release them. I release I release any image of God that is not the true image of Jesus. And then maybe you could hold your palms in front of you and just look down at your palms and say, God, would you fill my life? Would you fill my life? Would you fill me afresh? Will you transform me? in ways I could never imagine. But let me start imagining right now. Open up my ability to see the kingdom larger than my own way. Right here and now, let me see something, even this week, that is bigger than me and is we. And then lastly, maybe you could hold your hands out to your sides like this, like we. and welcoming any person that God might bring to you this week and maybe even this morning as we close with this song that there might be a person that you want to talk to next to you. Just say, I want to imagine something bigger. Will you help me? The kingdom is yours, O God. May we live by a kingdom ethic that not only transforms our own souls, but the life of the world. Feel free to take some notes and write down anything God may have shown you during that practice. Or if you're an extrovert, talk to somebody near you and tell them what you're wondering about, what you're imagining, and let them process it with you. Blessed are the ones who do not bury all the broken pieces of their heart. Blessed are the tears of all the weary pouring like a sky
as our friend Sylvia prays for us for the week as we sing afterwards about the kingdom of God and hear from our friend Sylvia. I just want to share um, a little thing that happened to me this week, um, submitting my will to God's. I'm the type of person that I wake up in the morning and the first thing is a list. This is all. The, these are all the things I have to do. Well, one morning this week I woke up and I couldn't get this song out of my head. And I said to my husband, is this something the worship team sang or where did I get this? And he said, no, tell me what it says. And this is what it says. This is the chorus. It says, you take good care of me. You know what I need before I even ask a thing. You hold me in your hands with a kindness that never ends. And I'm carried in your love no matter what the future brings. And I think that as we submit ourselves to God's loving care, it overflows, and then we can care for those who are needing of us. And with that, I'd just like to leave that with you, and this is the blessing from our Blue Book. May the grace, mercy, love, and peace flow through your life and ministry all the day long. Amen.